0: Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Mary Ann Wolfe. As we continue to move through this time of transition and recovery from COVID-19, many critical issues are at the top of minds for our schools, educators, and students. That includes developing pathways to ensure that all students have equitable access to high quality and well-prepared teachers, and elevating the importance of social and emotional learning. It also includes identifying and investing in early childhood education so that our children are ready to reach critical milestones as they enter kindergarten. Many of these issues align closely with the goals set forth in the Leando comprehensive remedial plan that has been submitted to Judge David Lee and today and next week we'll talk about that plan and what is needed for the success of students across our state in this two part series. I'd like to welcome to the show Jeff Coltrane, the Senior Education Advisor to Governor Roy Cooper, and Dr. Bev Emery, the Executive Director for the Office of District and School Transformation for the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction and the State Board of Education. Welcome to both of you. Bev, with so much discussion right now about COVID-19 transition and recovery, I'd love to start by asking you, how does the Leandro School funding case and the subsequent plans fit into this context?
1: I think they're so aligned. Uh, you know, we ha- we've been saying all along, and I think WestEd report really confirmed that it isn't that we don't really know what to do, it's the will and the resource and support um, to make it happen. And so I think uh, those priorities in the plan, really on steroids, <laughs> would be a way for us to quickly recover and accelerate. And so we're you know, I think we're very aligned in what we're looking for, particularly at the department um, with recovery. and um, as we get out across the state and coach and guide districts with SR2 and SR3 applications, really trying to look at these key areas that we know are real levers for improvement.
0: And the, and the ESSER funding, Bev, just to make sure everyone knows, is the federal funding that's coming down to the state to go to the districts. Is that correct?
1: Yes, ma'am. So, ESSER mm-hmm. 2 application went live on April 1, and right behind that um, this week is ESSER mm-hmm. 3 application. So, it's, it's a lot of work um, for districts and our regional folks, our federal programs folks are really trying to be out in the field. Uh, supporting and helping districts get those so they can access their money quickly.
0: Jeff, I know there's been a lot of work going on, but one of those areas has been the Leandro eight year comprehensive remedial plan and that builds on the report and also the short term action plan. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how it does lay out the systemic investments that are needed to make sure we are meeting our constitutional obligation for every student.
2: That Comprehensive Remedial Plan, uh, Marianne, was submitted to Judge Lee, who's overseeing the Leandro case, uh, in the middle of March of this year. Um, And it's been uh, in the works now for the better part of a year uh, with a team from uh, DPI, DHHS, the Office of State Budget Management, the Governor's Office, and is really pulling on the recommendations that WestEd laid out in their report from December of 2019 and the recommendations from the governor's commission on access to sound basic education. Um, The plan uh, uh, lays out actions across those seven key areas that Judge Lee identified in his January 2020 order. um, And I know that your show has been talking a lot about over the last couple of months. Um, uh, An effective teacher in every classroom, an effective principal in every school, um, a finance system that provides adequate, equitable, and predictable funding an assessment and accountability system that reliably assesses multiple measures of student performance, an assistance and turnaround function that provides supports to low performing schools and districts, um, a system of early education that makes sure our students enter kindergarten ready for school success, and then uh, an alignment of high school to post-secondary and career expectations. Um, The actions um, are laid out across um, uh, eight years, so beginning this year through fiscal year 28, with the idea that the goals in the plan will be achieved by 2030. Um, so the, the plan includes a range of, of um, actions that require budget, um, so funding appropriations, uh, as well as policy actions and included as an appendix that provides cost estimates for each of the actions that require uh, funding. So for instance, on the, the, um, the budgetary side, the plan, recommends expanding um, funding, supplemental funding to school districts to support our most at risk students like our students from low income families, our students with disabilities, our English language learners, which would require budget action. Um, but the plan also envisions uh, realigning our assessment and accountability system to better meet the Leandro goals and, and and help schools identify areas for improvement, which would be mostly policy related. So that would require action by the General Assembly and the State Board of Education as well.
0: Right, and Bev, I know you've been traveling across the state in many schools and districts and have an opportunity to really see the most critical needs. How do you think those needs, including this year, align with the Leandro plan?
1: It has been uh, overwhelmingly uh, inspiring to see kids welcomed back to school, let me just say that first, and the efforts are phenomenal, and for all the reluctance that I think we see played out in the media, um, superintendent after superintendent saying, everything is fine if you can just get them here, so um, I would say that has been highly rewarding. What I want to connect to in terms of sort of what Jeff spelled out in the plan is um, the, the districts that we've been blessed with sr one money to begin working in, so we're working with six districts and 44 schools, our approach um, really has tried to align to those seven areas and which pieces or action steps can we, um, can we use, but also be need-based. So accountability, for example we won't measure the impact of our work on growth or proficiency. We have two years worth of funding, we're not even there. But we are looking at what are those common trends across, let's say the six districts that we could show measurable improvement in. Turnover, right? These districts have tremendous issues with teacher and principal turnover. So what training or what kinds of attractions Can we build into these places that make them uh, keep, retain, sustain? And um, we're really creating our indicators based on common needs across these schools and districts. So we're starting sort of blind, if that makes sense. But in the end, we know we'll have some common indicators. And our goal in that is to really support the work. You know, this is all really connected. So, superintendent just launched. Operation Polaris, and one of those work groups is accountability. So there is great commitment to sort of looking at this differently in a multifaceted way, much like defined in in West Ed. And then what we're doing is sort of piloting or experimenting with can you really demonstrate measurable outcome in an area like teacher turnover, um, and draw that back to improve student outcomes. So a mouthful. But, you know, our coaching and guidance and training and development is really aligned to those seven areas. And, of course, we're not hitting all of them in every place, but based on their need, really trying to um, use two years of funding to demonstrate that there there are ways we can make improvements that are tied to some measures.
0: Thank you. And Jeff, I know last month the Governor released his recommended budget for 2122, which certainly plays a role in all of this. Would you share a little bit more about the areas identified in the Governor's budget for pre-K-12 education?
2: So um, specifically around Leandro, the Governor is committed to pursuing the policy and programmatic changes outlined in the comprehensive remedial plan and to making sure that the state um, and our school districts have the resources necessary to achieve those actions not just over the next two years of the plan, but over the next um, eight years as well. So uh, in his recommended budget uh, proposal for the next biennium, he's proposed nearly $600 million in additional funding for pre-K-12 education um, and a little over a billion dollars for the next fiscal year for 22-23 to improve things like teacher quality and support, provide additional resources for students who are most at risk and have the greatest need, Uh, increasing budgetary flexibility for our local education agencies, which is another key area that both our superintendents have outlined, as well as WestEd, that they need to be able to better meet the needs of their students, Um, ensure students are career and college ready, and then, of course, to strengthen our um, early education and and supports. Um, Specifically, um, in some key areas that are outlined in the comprehensive remedial plan, and, and of course, we're in the WestEd and the Commission's recommendations, the governor's proposing over the next two years an additional $80 million to help hire more school nurses, psychologists, social workers, and counselors, which we know are critical positions in supporting the mental and physical health needs of our students. Um, he's proposing a 10% increase in salary for our educators and then bringing our non-certified staff up to a $15 per hour minimum wage. Um, he's proposing $230 million over the two years to expand funding for children with disabilities English language learners, low income students. Um, and we know from what we've heard in districts that those students are likely to be the ones who have been most impacted by COVID and the, the, um, the time away from in person learning. So, not only will this funding begin to lay the foundation for building a more equitable um, education system um, over the long term, but will also play a role in helping those students to recover from COVID. Um, As well as uh, $78 million in new investment for our early childhood uh, NC Pre-K, including um, additional slots in the second year of the biennium, and then beginning to uh, increase what's called the reimbursement rate for NC Pre-K. We know a number of uh, local counties have not been able to take advantage of expanding Pre-K because of the required match, and so trying to make it much more um, equitable for them to be able to expand so that they can serve more students over the long term.
0: If we are back here on Ed Matters a year from now, what do we hope we can say about our schools, our students and Leandro?
2: Well, I hope we'll be looking back on um, this spring as um, really a, a period of collaboration as we see the uh, coming together of our, of our um, sectors of state government around uh, helping to achieve the plan that's been outlined. And I think being able to say that we've we got a good start on what's gonna be needed over the next eight, eight years uh, will be great.
0: Thank you both so much for being here and for lifting up these critical issues. There is so much to think about, but I'm grateful that both of you are out there working on this every day and helping to guide us. And after the break, we will be joined by Dr. Tony Jackson and Brad Wilson.
3: Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives.
0: Joining us now are Dr. Anthony Jackson, the superintendent of Vance County Schools, and Brad Wilson, the chair of the Leandro Commission and former CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield North Carolina. Thank you both so much for being here today.
3: Thank you for the opportunity. Good to be here.
0: Well, we have a lot to talk about. And Tony, as we look back at the year our schools and students have had with the pandemic, how is the Leandro case and the recent comprehensive plan submitted to court (laughs) relevant to Vance County Schools?
4: Well, I I think just as it always has been, I think the focus on ensuring uh, adequacy of resources to uh, help uh, uh, communities such as ours Um, realize their hopes and dreams is always a good conversation. And so Leandro, in our opinion, has always been that exercise of matching our needs with available resources and opportunities for our students. So the conversation right now is truly about helping us take uh, where we are, understanding the impact uh, of the the pandemic and, and not allowing it in any way Uh, to slow our progress, um, but using it as an opportunity uh, for us to think differently, to think critically, and to reimagine what education can be in the context of recognizing that there's this larger conversation about uh, meeting every single need of our children in the best way that we possibly can with the resources that we have.
0: Brad, as the chair of the Leandro Commission, how do you view the current status of the Leandro case and what needs to happen in the months years, and years ahead?
3: Well, that's, uh, that goes right to the heart of the matter, and before I respond, I want to thank Tony and all of his colleagues across the state for uh, the leadership they provide every day with their, with their teams of people. Well, the, the work of the Leandro Commission is essentially complete. The report has been filed, and so the recommendations are now clear to the public and for their consumption, likewise with the report from uh, West Ed. Uh, who served the, the court uh, as a consultant. So now the hard work begins. Uh, to your question, uh, now the public uh, understanding, education, debate, and then moving into the policy uh, arena with the General Assembly, the governor's budget, uh, now the state is in a position to make decisions about how to make the Leandro recommendations, the West Ed recommendations, and the court order uh, alive and uh, so this is a very important session of the General Assembly. Uh, I would, I hope everyone in North Carolina is watching and learning about uh, the component parts uh, because one point that we all need to remember, this is a journey. Uh, this is not a one-session conversation, it's not a two-year conversation. Uh, all of the re- recommendations are multi-year and they're sequenced so that in order to optimize some of the recommendations. Certain things need to be done first and funded first, and of course done well so that we can use the building blocks of the rest of the plan in the uh, years ahead. I would, I would urge all of us to think about Leandro in two ways. First of all, there's a moral uh, imperative uh, that one generation owes the other to provide the most education possible Uh, so that we can continue our democracy and people can live productive and and, uh, vibrant lives. But we should also remember that the North Carolina constitution requires access to uh, a high quality education. And now it is our obligation, legal obligation to see to it that we do provide that access to a sound and basic education.
0: I appreciate so much how both of you really called out that it's good for now, but it's also the beginning, um, which I know has been an ongoing journey, but many, many years. And just the notion that we have an eight-year comprehensive plan speaks to the complexity, but also just how wide and deep the work really is that we need to do and how systemic it is. Um, Tony, I'd love to ask you to build a little bit more on this idea of this eight-year comprehensive plan that does provide a path forward. And Brad, I so appreciate your description of that, that there is an order in how we, we really optimize and maximize the work that we're doing. It also talks about what we need in terms of both human and fiscal resources. So, Tony, what would the implementation of these action steps mean for students in Vance County as one of the original Leandro districts?
4: It would mean that we continue uh, the the intentional work of meeting the needs of not only our students but our communities uh, every single day, um, and I, I really do want to uh, I, I think jump off on the piece of the moral imperative. I think it was Dr. King who talked about the urgency of now, and that we can't continue to. Kick the can down the road. Eight years is a long time. And in, in, in the school world, uh, that's, that's a generation. And we have to recognize uh, that while uh, we, we understand uh, the need for there to be this orderly process, there is an urgency. Uh, because for every day that we wait, we miss kids. And every day that we wait, we, we hold a community back. I believe that our communities are ready. I believe that the action plan is sound. I believe that the focus on the resources, the opportunities and access uh, for every single child uh, is clearly articulated. I think now we have, to, we have to muster up the will. And that means that we have to figure out a way uh, to accelerate that timeline so that while we know that uh, in ordinary situations, it would take us eight years. But these are extraordinary times. The pandemic has pushed us into a place where we recognize uh, and it has exposed those cracks that help us recognize how fragile we can be, how fragile our economy is when we have a generation of kids who are not educated well, how fragile our uh, uh, systems are when we have uh, those who depend on it uh, heavily. So it's to our benefit to accelerate the timeline, to push as hard as we can uh, and to ensure that every single child uh, uh, is 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 educated to the highest level according to this action plan with the best teachers, the best leaders, the b- access to the most uh, uh, to the uh, best available resources, and a commitment to ensuring uh, that they get what they need at the time that they need it. So I think the 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 entire uh, comprehensive plan is an excellent tool. It's aspirational right now until those policy. Uh, decisions are made. So it helps us kind of frame where we're going. But in reality, I don't want us to miss the urgency of the moment. Uh, I think that we we have an opportunity right now that COVID has exposed for us that if we wait uh, a lot longer, Uh, we're going to miss probably the best opportunity in the world to absolutely fundamentally reimagine what schools can be. There's
0: so much to think about and process there, but this moral imperative that you both speak of and also just the opportunity before us and that our state has really you know, set themselves in a positive position in terms of financial resources and, you know, we credit that we're in that position it's wonderful that that's where we are and we didn't know that actually a few months ago even and so looking ahead. Um, Brad I'd love to get your uh, perspective, um, both from your role with the Landro Commission but also your previous role leading Blue Cross Blue Shield North Carolina for nearly a decade. As a business leader, why does the Leandro plan and its recommended investments make sense for North Carolina?
3: Well, if you think about it in its broadest terms, and if you want to put it in the context of the business question, if you will, uh, that's the workforce of tomorrow. Uh, That's the leadership of our state uh, for tomorrow, all of which coming together is extraordinarily important, not only just for business and economic development, But again, for a a vibrant, uh, uh, healthy, uh, and uh, progressive, moving forward society. And so for any business leader who is thinking about the needs of their business, be it large or small, uh, investment in public education or education in general, but in this context, public education in particular, and assuring that it is at the highest quality with the broadest access uh, to the future generation uh, is in your self-interest so that you have the employee employee pipeline and the leadership pipeline necessary to continue to drive the North Carolina economy forward in in every dimension. Uh, And I think that uh, Tony alluded to uh, where we should focus. I mean, it's, it's extraordinarily important that we not only think about the future, but the now. So for just one example, the talent pipeline for educational professionals, whether it be teachers, administrators, school nurses, counselors, you, all the assets that, human assets that come together to uh, provide a rich educational environment uh, for our students. Uh, those people don't appear overnight. It takes years and months of dedicated learning and retraining and professional development for for those people to move into the educational environment and begin to positively impact the lives of our students. So yes, we must begin immediately to attract and retain uh, those who would be committed Uh, to enriching the lives of our students across the state through their uh, dedication to public education. Uh, So there's plenty of opportunity here. And uh, again, I think that's why it's so important that the public pay attention, educate, advocate, learn, understand what the component parts are and how they will impact uh, lives uh, into both now and into the future.
0: Well, thank you both so much for sharing today. I am also optimistic and hopeful in that when we talk about the issues and we talk about what we need to do, we again and again hear these common themes and we know we can do them. They're just gonna take back to, I think what Tony said is the will to really carry this through. So thank you both for joining us today and being here.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And after the break, this week's final word. During the past many weeks on Education Matters, our regular viewers may have noticed that we've sought to highlight important policy areas that serve as the building blocks for a high quality educational experience for all. From revising school finance and accountability systems to developing robust initiatives around teacher and principal recruitment and retention, the long-term Leandro Comprehensive Remedial Plan offers strong directives in these areas and many stakeholders have come on our show to explain how to turn these ideas into action. Next week, we will continue this discussion about what our schools need to ensure that each of our students has access to a high quality, sound, basic education. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week for the second part of the Leandro series.